Martinez to the right. They score! Carlson! Back and forth with Martinez! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Petrangelo scores! Two markers for Petrangelo! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas, Wallace, Millard, Chapman, Chapman inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports, Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... We are all over the place tonight. Uh, I'm in we Studio are. 31 at City National Arena getting set for the television broadcast. Uh, Darren Elliott's walking around the, the studio thinking that he owns the place. Uh, you guys are out and about. Uh, Chapman's in the Fox Sports Las Vegas studio, and we all come together with one real focus, and that's the Golden Knights uh, taking on the Los Angeles Kings. We get back to a little old-school BGK hockey. Pacific Division rivalry mm-hmm. against the LA Kings who continue the rebuild and you can't go wire to wire if you're not first place out of the gate and the Golden Knights won their opener so they're first place out of the gate. Wow that's where you're going fantastic. Um, yes I am out at Parkway Tavern inside the district. Uh, I've got plenty of swag down here from Finley Volkswagen so get down here because there's a ton going on today. Obviously, the Golden Knights game. We've got Thursday night football. We've got big Dodger game, Dodgers and Giants. This is the place to be, to watch all of the action. And come say hi to me. Come hang out and maybe jump on the postgame show afterward. I don't know. Whatever. Why not? Let's give it Let's give it a shot. Uh, Sam and Ash from SamandAshLaw.com are going to stop by in just a little bit as well. Uh, should we bring up the Dodgers with them? They're both huge Dodger fans, and uh, they were at the VGK game uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, they got a lot happening in and around uh, their law practice and making sure that uh, that you're taken care of, but also following sports. And uh, so that's uh, it's, it's cool that they can just jump on and, and talk sports. But I'm a little leery because things may be a little tight uh, in the old anxiety world when it comes to uh, the Dodger talk. Yeah, I mean, I'll bring it up. Don't worry. Like, I'm yeah. a Dodger fan. I'll, I'll bring it up to him. It's fine. You feeling it right now? <sighs> That's a really, really tough question to answer. Um, yes and no. Uh, yes, because I just I believe the team's good and they should be able to win. Uh, no, because it's a game on the road. It's a decisive game on the road. That's a tough spot to be in. So um, I'm going to say the Dodgers will win, but... I might be thinking with my heart a little bit more than anything else. Uh, I'm excited about the Golden Knights game tonight because I get to watch a team where I don't have to I don't have to study uh, over and over and over and over again for the numbers. I can get a little bit of uh, just osmosis uh, seeping into my brain when it comes to players, uh, styles, numbers, and names. Because the other night, even though I had the lines uh, as what I thought they were going to be going in. Uh, looking down and going, okay, 24. Oh, Jamie Alexiak, uh, that's that's who that is. Uh, Donato, uh, n- number nine. Like it, 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 it took a while. Everly, number seven. Everly, I kind of knew, but uh, tonight we get back to some uh, some old school numbers and an old school, uh, the, really the first rivalry that, that the Vegas Golden Knights had in, in the LA Kings and uh, the likes of uh, Kopitar and Dowdy and uh, and Brown and Jonathan Quick. Although Jonathan Quick isn't 
going tonight. And it's two franchises, when you look at it that way, that are turning the page when it comes to long-time faces of the franchise and Hall of Fame goaltenders. Yeah, for me, it, it's going to be an interesting one because there's a little bit of a different look, obviously, for this L.A. Kings team. And the biggest the biggest change for me is the addition of Phil Deneau. And, you know, we all know kind of what Deneau was able to do in the playoffs last year against Mark Stone. And this is going to be one of those marquee matchups in the Pacific Division. It's going to be Stone versus Deneau. You know that any opportunity L.A. has, they're going to put Deneau's line out there against Stone's. And whichever line is able to come out on on the positive is likely going to be the team that ends up winning the game. So um, that is is a game within a game for me. And then you know, I think you're you bring up an interesting point with with the Kings and the Golden Knights. You, you've got a changing of the guard in goal, and I think that's a huge story for both LA and Vegas this year. How far can Cal Peterson take this this Kings team? And you know I, I think the writing's been on the wall for a little while. Jonathan Quick is going to be kind of that mentor to Peterson, but I think we all understand it's Peterson's net now, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he does with that pressure. I wonder what that conversation was like with Jonathan with, Quick. With Jonathan Quick, yeah. I think it was Cal Peterson is is going to be the one A guy, and you're going to be the one B guy, and it's going to be you know closer to closer to a tandem but you're not going to get as many starts and you know maybe if you maybe if you're playing well you can be leveraged at the trade deadline i don't know maybe that's that's the way you do it bigger story or about the same as when they took the captaincy away from dustin brown and gave it to anze kopitar because brown i can tell you for for a fact mm -hmm. brown didn't know that was coming so i think this is less of a story than the captaincy because um that it's it's rare really in the nhl i mean it's happened a few times but not many where you've got a player especially a a captain of a two-time stanley cup championship team uh the first player in franchise history to raise the stanley cup uh it's not often you see that player get stripped of the captaincy and i understood the the idea of putting it on on Andre kopitar i really do but that to me was kind of like a, a, a shockwave type moment. And with Jonathan Quick, I, I think it's kind of run its course. I don't feel like ca- like Dustin Brown's captaincy ran its course, if that makes sense. Yeah, and Brown's resurrected his career since then Yeah, and done an incredible job from being an obvious buyout as soon as that it, it made any financial sense yeah. to he's, he's going to finish out the deal. And I wonder whether Jonathan Quick can, can rediscover that side of it uh, as well. Uh, Pete DeBoer was very public about his uh, appreciation for what Robin Leonard did the other night. Uh, he will go back-to-back uh, for the first two games. The schedule just allows for that because after tonight, they don't play again until Wednesday against the St. Louis Blues. If you want to go to that game, we've got tickets for you. We've got a couple of pairs that we're going to give away uh, at some point during the course of this VGK Insider show. So it just makes sense that uh, that Robin Leonard goes tonight, and we may not see Laurent Brossois for a couple of weeks, the way the schedule uh, sets up uh, being spaced out for the early going, and it, it should allow, it's certainly laid out that way, uh, for Robin Leonard to gain some early season confidence. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Darren. When you look at the schedule for the Vegas Golden Knights, I, I think you kind of look at... You know, the 26th, 27th, that's when Vegas has their first back-to-back situation, and it's on the road. 
in Colorado than in Dallas. So that would be ideally, I think, the best spot to put Laurent Brassois into a game. And, you know, that gives Robin Leonard not just tonight's game, but also St. Louis Edmonton and the Islanders over the next seven to ten days to, to really get his game dialed in and solidified. And, and if, you know, the beginning of the season, that first seven minutes against the Seattle Kraken is any indication, Robin Leonard was dialed in early for Vegas. When do you start making any type of assumptions or evaluations on a team? How many games in? Um, I, I, I know we had this conversation before, and I, I want to say we, we talked about kind of that 20-game mark, 15 to 20 games. where That seems uh, long to me. That's where you were at last year. Or maybe, it, maybe that's because of your 56 games. I don't know. But I, I think trends can develop in 10 games and a really solid sense of where the team's at, probably 15 to 20. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like 10. I'm more uh, along the line of uh, we saw the top line get off to a blazing start the other night. Uh, William uh-huh. Carlson, despite not having the point total of Mark Stone or the two goals of Max Pacioretty, was arguably the best forward in the building uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, but then you've got that third line, which uh, no fault of their own, but the, the way the salary cap and the injuries uh, – sorted out and forced uh, management's hand and hockey operations hand by dressing Dylan Coughlin as a forward and uh, Pavel Dorofiev, uh up front. Uh, it, it caused Pete DeBoer to go with 10 forwards. So the fourth line was non-existent and the third line was four players. And we didn't really get to see the, the Danov, the Krebs, uh, the Patrick line in full form the other night. And uh, I almost feel... Uh, a little bit disappointed that we're only going to, we should see them tonight because they're going to yeah. be able to uh, slot in Jake Lecician, uh on, on the fourth line and and uh, be able to go with more of a, a four-line attack. But I, I feel like we're going to be a week and a half in and we're still going to be wanting to see more of this new-look third line. Oh, for sure. I think as with every game that goes by and, and every opportunity to, to get a look at that line, I think that's going to be one of the big talking points for the Golden Knights through the first eight to ten games of the season is what does the third line look like game to game and how much chemistry can they build? That's a big, big storyline for the Golden Knights this year, the progression of Nolan Patrick, the impact of Yevgeny Dadanov, and what, who that winger is going to be. Is it going to be Peyton Krebs? Is it going to be Keegan Colasar? Is it going to be Matthias Janmark when he's back out of COVID protocol? I mean, there's a lot of different storylines and, and things to keep in mind when it comes to the third line for the Golden Knights. Talk a lot about that first draft and that Cody Glass is now a member of the Nashville Predators and Nick Suzuki signs the big money deal with the Montreal Canadiens uh, to the star uh, players from that draft that were on everybody's radar for so many years. But tonight, we're going to see uh, the, the payoff from that 2017 draft in, in sort of a second wave in Jonas Rombjörg and Jake Lesishan, who were, uh, who were mid-round picks in that draft and will make their National Hockey League debuts. Yeah, and, you know, you got you to gotta just feel awesome and, and great for Lesishan and for Rombjörg because they 
they've been putting in the work, right? They've been a, a big part of the, this Golden Knights franchise, from, from development camps to AHL um, experience, and now getting an opportunity to put on that sweater for the Vegas Golden Knights in an NHL game. Um, there's going to be a lot of emotion. There's going to be a lot of energy, I think, from from just getting the opportunity to play that game. And, you know, you're rooting for them. You're rooting for those guys in a depth role to provide what Pete DeBoer is looking for, and that's just consistent, steady minutes and not to play outside of their game. Chapman, can we play some of the sound from those two guys that will make their National Hockey League debut uh, tonight? Uh, Jonas uh, talked about how his parents uh, are going to have to get up super early but it's not going to be a deal. Uh, certainly not going to let that get in the way of watching their son play his first National Hockey League game. They're going to watch the uh, game begins 4.30 in the morning for them. So uh, they'll have a morning coffee and, and watch me playing during the night. They'll probably wake up early and watch it before work. Oh, watch it before work, uh, 4.30 a.m. <laughs> uh, he is He's a really talented player. He's six foot two. Uh, about 190. I think he plays a little bit heavier than that. Uh, he can play either wing. He has some touch around the net. Uh, he's very responsible. Manny Viveros loves this kid. And I think there's some range uh, for Jonas Rombierich to play uh, up in your lineup. Uh, not just, uh, he's going on fourth line because of the injuries tonight, and he's not going to play up all year. But I. I see a place for him with his skill set uh, and his versatility. Yeah, I, I think it's defensive responsibility, right? And, you know, with the Henderson Silver Knights and last season, 13 points, 38 games, there's some touch there. I don't think you're you're looking at Ron Beard kind of being inserted into this lineup and saying, okay, you're expecting goals or production there. Uh, but you look at the types of minutes that he can give you, hard, heavy minutes, and I'm not sure if he'll factor into penalty killing, but maybe that's a direction or an avenue that you go. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's it's going to be a player that should be useful in his utility down the lineup for the Golden Knights. Then you've got a guy that uh, that has been talked about, and he's been around the game uh, a long time, and that's that's Jake Lasician. His, his father, uh, uh, Curtis, was a very steady National Hockey Leaguer, and Jake uh, has been exposed to the top end of the game, both visually and uh, and in talking to your parents and talking about uh, the game. But uh, I thought it was interesting today that Jake went out of his way to make sure that uh, the other side of his uh, his parental tree, if you will, uh, was acknowledged in in the effort to get him to this level. Yeah, my mom is just as important. I know. How- uh, my dad's brought up a lot, but my mom has uh, been there every step of the way, and she's, uh, I mean, she's been taking me to tournaments and, uh, I guess, just providing an awesome home for me for the past uh, 22 years. So I've been very thankful for her, and uh, I think she's just as competitive, or if not more, than my dad, so she definitely pushes me. There is no human being on the planet like a hockey mom. And you could talk to anybody that's played the game, whether they made it to the professional ranks or whether they capped out at U16. Uh, it's the hockey mom that, that drives the boat, and it's the hockey mom 
that uh, that you go to after the bad game, and you you nest, you can talk about the game, but you can talk about uh, whatever else. And uh, and I love that Jake went out there and and talked about mom. It's just phenomenal. It was it was absolutely perfect. I, I was really really happy to see that. And you know, I think the you said it perfectly, Darren. There's nothing in the world like a hockey mom, and it's it's just a true statement. And if you if you grew up playing the game and you were lucky enough to do that and you knew and understood the sacrifices that your parents made uh, in order to play, it's not lost on anybody. And, and I think you're right. The, the, the hockey mom was kind of everything. If you had a bad game, they, they'd pick you up. And it wasn't about the game. It was just about making you feel better. And it, it was always nice to look up into the crowd and see my mom during games huddled under a blanket because it was always freezing. Uh, and never complaining, not one time ever. And here's the other part. This, this is really what, uh, what separates hockey moms from hockey dads and makes hockey moms so much smarter than hockey dads. <laughs> uh, I can tell you, in, in the course of uh, being around rinks and you, you, you pop in and you poke your head in and there's a men's league going on, there's, uh, there's hockey dads that are there uh, still watching their kids play at 21 or 25 or 30. We've all seen the hockey dads, just uh, and there's nothing wrong with it. Hockey moms, they're smart enough to let. When you're an adult, <laughs> you, 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 their job's done. Hockey moms uh, pull a shoot and 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 they're on their way and they're doing. They're living their own life after that. Uh, dads tend to stick around a little bit longer. Moms are smart. That's a good point. You ever uh, see a, a hockey mom watching a men's league game? Not a chance. The la- my my mom watched one of my men's league games, but that that was a long long time ago. So well. I, you guys must have been sharing the car or something that night. That's no, uh, no, no, got to no. be the, the she only reason. She came out to visit me. She was really excited about it. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, Robin Leonard against Jonathan. No, not Jonathan Quick. Calvin Peterson uh, tonight. <laughs> uh, Cal Peterson. See, it's just uh, it's automatic. Uh, you know, Cal Peterson's had some great games against the Golden Knights over the years. He has. He's, he's been very, very good against Vegas. Uh, preseason game for Cal Peterson against Vegas this year was not good but I, I don't put much stock into that. I think Cal Peterson's a phenomenal goalie, and he plays Vegas tough, so it, it, nothing is going to be easy in tonight's game for the Golden Knights. They're going to have to make sure they're making Cal Peterson work for his saves. Well, we'll give away a set of tickets in a couple of minutes, and then we'll give away another set to the St. Louis Blues game uh, later in the show on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Uh, the schedule is spread out. Uh, that's going to be an advantage to uh, get Robin Leonard a uh, game after game after game. Uh, it's going to allow some serious practice time uh, going into this weekend and leading up to uh, Wednesday because that's the next time that they play is uh, is Wednesday against the St. Louis Blues, another game on national television. And, and another real benefit. And, you know, when you look at the schedule, when it first comes out, I'm wondering whether Pete DeBoer says, boy, we could have like put a couple more games in this first two weeks <laughs> to ease off what's going to happen in November and December. Yeah. But with the way the injuries went and piled up in training camp, and you've got uh, Will Carrier and uh, Nick Waugh out, and uh, you're, you're dealing with uh, Matthias Janmark on COVID, uh, because of, of that situation, it's, it's worked out to be a really – a beneficial situation for the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at silver linings. And the fact that the Golden Knights are banged up right now and, and you know, you look at the schedule and, and there's going to be about six days between games and 
you know, that's a positive for the Vegas Golden Knights. It really is because maybe you get a player back. Maybe Will Carrier at the end of, of this on Wednesday is ready to go and get inserted back in the lineup for the Vegas Golden Knights. Maybe Matthias Janmark is able to, to get out of COVID protocol. Like, there's a lot of different things that are, are going to be, you know, aided by the fact that the Golden Knights don't have another game until Wednesday. And that's a positive this early in the season because if you can play less games uh, total with with guys out of your lineup, that's that's the best case scenario here. Uh, Golden Knights playing game two, trying to make it uh, back-to-back wins. Uh, they won their first road game in each of their first three seasons before dropping the opener away from T-Mobile Arena last year. So try to get back in the winning track on, on that front uh, tonight against the Los Angeles Kings. It is the season and home opener for the LA Kings, so there'll be pomp and ceremony. This, this will be the first game with a full crowd at Staples Center since before the shutdown, before the pandemic hit. It goes yeah. a long way, but uh, they, they didn't have the playoffs uh, last year. They didn't have the availability and the capacity uh, last year at Staples Center. The last game they played still had all the tarps and, and everything up. Uh, they had some fans in attendance. So this is going to be a, a different atmosphere for these players at Staples Center than they've, uh, they've experienced in more than a year. It'll be, uh, I think, a really good atmosphere. And for the Golden Knights, you know, this is a, a building that, traditionally they they've enjoyed playing it like mm-hmm. this is a, a an opportunity for the golden knights to kind of go on the road traditionally there's been uh, a slant uh, at least a little bit to golden knights fans in the building at staples center so it'll be curious to see how many golden knights fans are in the building tonight and what that split sounds like especially here on the radio as dan duva and gary lawless have the call um and and I'm curious to see how the Kings respond and how they play in front of their fans for the first time in what seems like forever. How much energy are the Kings going to drive uh, in the game from having a packed house? I, I think it's going to be really, really fun to watch. And it should lend itself to a really interesting atmosphere as we go into the season. Uh, we got a lot to get to uh, on this game. Uh, some of the new faces with the LA Kings, some of the uh, prospects that have come up that are starting to take a much more uh, presentable uh, position within the lineup and are being relied on. Uh, then you have the acquisition of Victor Arvidsson, who's going to play in their top line with Dustin Brown and Anze Kopitar. Uh, he's going to be uh, somebody that they're going to watch uh, with great interest this year to see if he can get back to that top form and that top goal-scoring form. And on the Golden Knights uh, side of it, uh, what a beautiful performance by the top line the other night. Can they keep it going? Max Pacioretty with two goals to start. Uh, I've talked about uh, his chase for 40 for a long time now, and that's, uh, that is uh, really giving yourself uh, a jump start uh, on, on that front. Also want to get to some happenings in and around the National Hockey League. A big signing by the Ottawa Senators. It's over. Uh, Brady Kachuk is under contract uh, with the Senators tonight. He's not in the lineup for their season opener, but uh, I exchanged a text message with uh, with Dad Keith today, and I'll, I'll let you know the, the ins and outs of that and uh, just where that dollar figure and that AAV uh, comes in. But we also have an important piece of business. And along with giving away the tickets, have we finalized our rating scale for this year? I think we have. What are you going with, sir? Okay. So one of the one of the submissions yesterday from our listeners was a rating system based on the heat of peppers right any type of pepper that you can eat so this is the new rating system for games 
And I know I picked it mainly because Chris Chapman doesn't like it, um, but that's fine. So number one, a bad, bad game is a bell pepper because there's no spice to it. Number two, jalapeno. Number three, habanero. Number four, ghost pepper. And number five, the best game, the hottest game that you can have on ice, a Carolina Reaper. Okay. I'm trying to write that down. You were going fast. Yeah, don't worry. Uh, it's going to be in the show notes every single day for you guys to ignore. Yeah, so, I saw like, that already because I actually look at the show notes. Yep. So one is a bell pepper. That's a yep. dog game. Yeah, you don't want a bell pepper. Because there's no spicy. Yep. Uh, two is jalapeno. That two seems, for a jalapeno, that seems have low. You ever, have you ever had a, a habanero or no. a ghost pepper? No, so that's a three. Yeah. Uh, and a ghost pepper. What does a ghost pepper even look like? It's it's a, a brown pepper that's just really really spicy, man. Why like, do they call it a ghost pepper? Because you you, you will see ghosts after feel you eat like it. you have seen a ghost if you eat a ghost pepper. Is that true? Yeah, they're hot. Like I've had ghost pepper sauce on wings before, and it was brutal. And I like spicy things. And you feel like you've seen a ghost? That doesn't make any sense. That more, seems that sounds more, like a cop-out it's description. Really, it's really hot. More there. likely place to see ghosts, the the Montreal Forum or after eating a Caroline or a ghost well, considering Well, considering ghosts don't exist, probably eating the spicy thing that will make you feel like you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And a, and a five out of five, so the best game possible is yeah. a Carolina what? Carolina Reaper. Carolina Reaper. It's hot. And what's that look like? It's just a hot pepper, Darren. Okay. Why do you need to know what they look like? Well, I'm trying the, to give, the give visual, myself a The visual yeah. representation of the pepper means nothing. Yeah. It's just how spicy it is. Uh, I, I get nothing but ranch dressing on my, on my oh wings. Gosh. So this is uh, so even a bell pepper to me is, is a little spicy. But, uh, but You're I, the I most like bland like human it. being I've ever met. Bland? Yeah, bland. Or just even keel? No, bland. Well, they I don't think mean the same thing. There's something to be said for consistency and being able to keep your motions in check. I want to get somebody excited right now. Let's okay. uh, let's fire up a, a little ghost pepper enthusiasm by giving away some tickets to next Wednesday's game. Two pairs of uh, tickets available on the show. We'll give one set away right now. Uh, give us a call. What's the number, Ryan? 702-876-1340. 1340 Call now. We will take caller Number, I wanted to say 61. I wanted to say 67 for the top line, but that's too much. We'll go caller number 20 for the game-winning goal the other night. And Chandler Stevenson, if you are caller number 20, you are going to next Wednesday's home game at T-Mobile Arena, Vegas Golden Knights against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, give us a shout right now. Uh, we'll come back, uh, bring you up to date with news and notes from around the National Hockey League, uh, early one-timer edition as we get ready for the LA Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights game two for the BGK on Fox Sports Las Vegas. On to the near wing. Big shot and he scores! It's time for one-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day. And it's a tie hockey game. On the BGK Insider Show. Back in Studio 31, Darren Millard getting set for the Vegas Golden Knights against the Los Angeles Kings and uh, Ryan Wallace. Uh, you're out at the Parkway Tavern uh, getting ready to call uh, action and host the pregame show, the intermissions, and the postgame show uh, on Fox Sports Las Vegas. And Chris Chapman is in the uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas uh, Finley Chevrolet studio. Uh, we have uh, a question coming in from our studio audience here in Studio 31. Do you guys know the answer to this? We have a pair of players making their National Hockey League debut tonight. 
in Jake Lasician and Jonas Rombeard. Mm. Normally, teams will let the player making his National Hockey League debut take what's called a hot lap, that uh, initial lap for the pregame warm-up all by themselves. It used to be a joke. Now it's just like a rite of passage where you get to be out there and absorb the opening of the uh, of the warm-up and being a National Hockey Leaguer for the first time. Do Rombjerg and Lasician take the hot lap together? Or does one get the hot lap, come back to the bench, and the other one goes? Like a like a relay. I mean, I would I would probably go take the hot lap together. Yeah. Um, that's that's where I go. Kind of cuts like, in the warm-up, they do a relay, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just go take it together. You guys are going to be playing on the same line. Build that camaraderie. Let's go. It'll look like a short track speed skating race. I mean, if they go hard, yeah. Yeah. Didn't think that uh, conversation was coming uh, into one-timers, did you? should always that's, expect it. I know, but th- I blame Darren Elliott. That, that's what I do. Oh, that's uh, that's a Boy, you, you, you know, are that's always so a funny good thing. At, at blaming other people. Yeah. Yeah, if I was like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest conversation ever, you you wouldn't have told us that it was Darren Elliott. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. No, no. It's, Though, like, any it's, it's all about bring, building my brand, you guys. No, no. Anytime you bring <laughs> something to the table, it's I have to just assume that it's Darren Elliott, not Darren. I, can I just say this? That Elliott, and if I had any idea on how to put up a, a headset here, what what number is that headset there? Number oh, two. Boy. I number, would try it. What what is that? Is there a number there, Elliott? Channel One host. Okay. Uh oh. And good. there. Okay, I got him on. I Sounds got him like on. he's connected. Elliot yep. is like our biggest, most biggest fan, most loyal listener outside of Rita, Stephanie, and Papa Lou. Yeah. There you go. I'm, I'm number four again. There it is. <laughs> well, there it is. There. It's it's pretty good. So um, Mike might not be on. Oh, is Mike's not on? Try yeah. try this one over here, because I'll uh, I'll give you an idea now. No, oh, that one sounds way better. Oh boy. When he's when he's getting it going. Yeah, there it is. You're pretty good, eh? You just throw the headset on, and this is live rodi- radio, otherwise known as a rodeo. No? You can't hear anything? Well, I can hear you, but that's not going to help you out there. Uh, we'll get Elliot uh, connected in a little bit. Uh, so I, I just thought I'd give it a shot. I, I told you, I shouldn't even have tried it. I shouldn't even have started fooling around with the buttons. Yeah. Now I've got Andrew like crawling around on the floor in here I'm, trying to wreck I'm really I'm surprised that you didn't knock yourself off. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's interesting, too. That Always would have actually been an improvement. Yeah, good point Boom. compared to this. Uh, Brady Kachuk signed seven years. He does not go bridge. The Ottawa Senators get him long term. Just over 8.2 for an AAV. Victory for the team, victory for the player, or a good deal for both. So I, I do think it's a good deal for both. Now, no signing bonus money, which is, I think, something that Brady was, was certainly after. That's a win for Pierre Dorian. I, I do believe that. The term is a win for Pierre Dorian because you're, you're locking up some years of a really productive Brady Kachuk, and, and I think by the end of this deal, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be appropriately priced for the player. Um, and Brady doesn't get the bridge. He doesn't get uh, closer and closer to just walking in free agency. Uh, but I, I do look at the structure, and I, I do think for, for the player, he's he's done well for himself. And I think the, the cap hit, the AAV, is is where it should be for Brady Kachuk. So I think it's a deal that works out well for both sides. Now, the structure is different. If you compare this deal to that of Nick Suzuki with the Montreal Canadiens, 
The structure, very different. Suzuki's was this, the same AAV throughout the whole thing. Just over, yep. what was it, 7.6? Something uh, right in that range. For Brady Kachuk, it's an AAV of 8.2 over the seven years, but it goes starts at $4 million this year, goes to 6.5 next year, and then 10, 10 and a half, 10 and a why is that why is that important for Brady Kachuk? Simply put, he saves a ton of money by making less over the next two years and backloading it in year three, four, and five, because escrow is huge this year. Yeah. Huge next year. And then it, it comes down. So the amount of take-home money over the course of the contract is going to benefit Brady Kachuk massively. By, by just reducing how much money uh, is available to be taxed over the next two years. That is a significant win for the player. Didn't get the bonus money, and I think that was a contentious issue. The AAV comes in right about where we expected it to. So this had to be, this, the structure of it had to be what, what held it up all the way along. And don't forget, and uh, as it was one of the laziest human beings on the planet, uh, I, I, I like this and appreciate this fact. Uh, he, he escaped everything to do with training camp. <laughs> yeah. And, and you I, know, I, I think that's a win in itself. That's what I would do if I was a player and I had a contract dispute and I, I was really holding out to make sure that I didn't have to go to training camp. I would sign it the day of the home opener for sure. Um, well done. And it's kind of the same thing for Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. They didn't have to do the bag skate, so good for them. Uh, did you see the tweet that Brady Kachuk put out? Yes. Yes. And and here we are. But it's uh, the, the, the Joker. Yeah. I think and here really, we go. Yep. Yeah, and here we go. Uh, I, I didn't really get it. It kind of, at first blush, I thought, is he making fun of the Ottawa Senators or, or what? But uh, it's uh, it's got to be some kind of inside joke on that one. Well, he's excited to get going. He not, he's not playing tonight. No, no, no. I know that. I'm just saying he, he's excited that he signed a deal and now he can play. Yeah, he's not playing tonight but doesn't miss any money, uh, miss any paycheck. So that's Smart. that's big uh, well done. for him. Uh, I texted uh, his, his dad and just said congratulations. And Keith responded with, uh, thanks, we're really happy, and it's nice to get – we finally get Brady off the books. Meaning uh, they don't have to pay, <laughs> pay his way anymore. It's amazing. Like, how much do you think Keith Kachuk made over the course of his career? I'd, I'd venture to guess a lot of money. Like, just throw a number out for me for for Keith Kachuk. Now, remember he played at, uh, he came off, uh, what, the 90, 94 Olympics, 96 Olympics, uh, in and around there. 92 Olympics, I can't remember what he did uh, uh, around there. So before the big, big money, uh, but then had a couple of years in there. All right. I'm just going to throw a number out here that I think is somewhere in the ballpark. About $81 million. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, did you did you look that up? I mean, you did. why else would I be that specific? That's amazing yeah, that you did that. Yeah, cat friendly is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, in today's dollars, though, 120 million. Really? Yeah. He's 50th. Keith Kachuk, 
50th all-time in NHL career earnings in, at $80 million. So I can see why he'd be happy to get uh, Brady on his own and being able to pay for his own groceries and stuff. But uh, congratulations to uh, Keith and Chantel uh, for, uh, for that. And uh, we can get down to business. It, uh, the, the seven years takes away that whole conspiracy theory that the Kachucks were going to end up together, though. Yeah, it does. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, I was I was hopeful that they they would end up playing together. Unfortunately, oh, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll get there. Maybe we'll get there at some point. We'll see. Uh, did you see that the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to start tonight uh, with Elvis Merzlikens wearing number 80 uh, in honor of his uh, good friend who passed away this summer, Matthias Kivlenix? Yeah, I did see that. I also saw Elvis's suit talk about the Joker. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, do you like do you like the suits? Because some Arizona's relaxed their dress code entirely. So we've had this conversation. Um, I am all for relaxing of the dress codes. I think it's funny and like let's just kind of allow guys to be who they are. Um, but I love Elvis's suit because it is what the Joker wears. So he wore a Joker suit, quite literally, um, more or less a Halloween costume, and it was fantastic. We, did we have that conversation on the air? We, we, we did. did, yeah. On the air, yep. Okay. You and me I, are on the same side on this, Darren. Well, Ryan is, is on the opposite side of us. Yeah, you guys are ridiculous. Sometimes I, I can't remember Screaming whether. Screaming clouds. We actually had the, the discussion today on PGK uh, Roulette with Nighty and Gosher and Lala. So, uh, you know, some things just blend into, into others. I apologize for that. Uh, we've got the, the New York Islanders uh, not commenting, surprisingly, about any contract extension for Barry Trotz. It's an internal matter. Uh, mm-hmm. Trotz's contract is up after next season. It says after next season. That seems early to me to be worrying about a contract extension, or is it? Uh, probably. He's got I, like two full years to go. Yeah, I would venture to guess, like, if there's going to be a contract extension for Barry Trotz, and why wouldn't there be? He's been fantastic for the Islanders. It'll probably happen next year, not this year. Yeah, well, why would you extend them now? I don't I wouldn't do it. Like, I, 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 I would, I mean, I would wait. If I'm Lou, like, see how the year goes. That can aid you in your negotiations one way or the other. How far out is too far to be talking about contract negotiations? I, I think you've got to you've got to do it in in the contract year like like for Seth Jones right like I I would have and I know that the Chicago Blackhawks didn't really have an opportunity here because the the trading and the condition was more or less to, to get him locked up to a, to an extension but like I would have waited if I was Chicago to like somewhere in the ballpark of this season like maybe 30 40 games before you you talk extension but that's just me uh, we've got some Boston Bruins news. Patrice Bergeron, he's not going to uh, negotiate. He's going to play it uh, play it out. Uh, they've got uh, Tuka Rask, who's out with injury. He doesn't even have a contract. Uh, they don't necessarily have to uh, go through that, that process of, of negotiating until he gets healthy. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what tack they take. With Okay, so like with, with Tuka... The, the question that I have is where are the Boston Bruins when he's healthy, right? Like, mm-hmm. is it, are you getting enough from Linus Olmark to not go that direction? 
and move on from there. I, it'll be interesting. It, it, I think it all really depends on where the Bruins are when Tuka's healthy and, and what the direction is that you want to go. I, you you kind of bring Olmark in here to be the guy. I, I don't know that that changes unless there's panic in Boston. They have to get uh, Charlie McAvoy done uh, as well. So let's, uh, yeah. we've got uh, two more sets of tickets to the St. Louis Blues game against the VGK next week. We'll give those away in hour number two. Uh, but we've got some uh, tickets to uh, Chivalry. The Age of Chivalry, it is a renaissance fair. If you want to see knights joust and stuff like that, it'll be awesome. It's a great event. So we are going to be giving away a couple of four-packs here. The Age of Chivalry, it's this Sunday. Be caller 8 and 9. Caller 8 9 You are going to the Age of Chivalry. We continue at Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. The number is obvious, 702-820-1234. They're our friends, Sam and Ash, SamandAshLaw.com. They are our lawyer, and they take care of us. So when we get into difficulties, and we want to make sure that uh, that you have access to them as well. And that's why we invite them on every week, every Thursday, to discuss uh, various stories from around the world, and uh, you get to know them a little bit. So when you do call them up, it feels like you already have a relationship uh, with them. So Sam and Ash are with us today. We have this great, uh, interesting story. Tim McGraw is one of my favorite of all time he's up in uh, Reno he's playing a concert and he forgets the words and he gets chirped and uh, <laughs> when he gets chirped uh, he doesn't take it very well <laughs> I didn't realize that uh, that artists were so fragile uh, but I'm, and I'm not going to call that to his face because then I'll get chirped again uh, but uh, <laughs> he jumps down and he gets right in these uh, people's faces uh, Sam first of all like is is that like crossing a line between performer and and uh, somebody that's in the audience i mean it's not professional maybe there's the line crossed and he's like i i think look everyone's everyone's entitled to have a bad day and so he was having a bad day he gets booed uh and he doesn't react the best way to it and i i would guess he he likely regrets it because now everybody's talking about it's all over tmz and it's one of those moments in his career that uh, will always be there saved forever on the interwebs uh, Ash, what was your first reaction of it? Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I thought it was a little uncharacteristic of Tim McGraw, first of all. And then I just I loved all the hecklers in the background telling him, just do the show. Just do the show. <laughs> and so that was I mean, that was my first just take on it all. But legally, I don't I don't think Tim McGraw has anything to worry about here. It doesn't look like he actually hurt anyone. He just had his feelings hurt a little bit. Because, Ryan, you were going down that path, wondering if there was a, any type of uh, recourse. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a natural thought or, or idea, but I guess more so in the age of COVID, right? Like Tim McGraw, no mask in these people's faces. Like, is there any, are there any repercussions he can face to that end? Well, that's actually interesting. There might be some social distancing requirements that he had to sign off on or agree to. Similar to like when we get on a plane anymore, you're checking a little box that you acknowledge you have to wear a face mask over your nose and mouth the entire duration of your flight. You know, maybe he signed some document or some writer like that before the show, and and there could be some contractual problems between him and the venue and the the promoter that got him there. Um, I I really don't see anything truly legal coming after him. What about uh, the show itself? How bad does the show have to be, do you think, before the promoter says, <laughs> uh, I-, I want something back for this? 
<laughs> oh, yeah, well, that that can happen. And, you know, you, it, there's some great stories of, you know, and it, it, it takes more than this, you know, but I think, uh, you know, occasionally certain stars have substance abuse problems and they, they get up on stage and they're just a sloppy mess. And then, and then, then of course, yeah, they're not fulfilling the terms of their agreement. And there is certainly legal recourse for not delivering the product that you promised to deliver. Uh, if, if that would have gone, and I'm, I'm going to kind of speculate here, but uh, Tim jumps down and uh, he gets uh, in the face of uh, the spectators, uh, the audience, uh, Ash, if something goes south there, like say the the audience member pushes him, is is it Tim's fault because he he got down there, or is it still incumbent on whoever kind of starts the physical altercation? Well, yeah. So that's actually interesting. If he jumps down and just jumps down and tries to engage in a conversation, versus jumping down and then rushing at them, they're very different. So just by getting off the stage, he doesn't really in in instigate a fight i wouldn't say so if the fan shoved tim mcgraw he would absolutely have something against that fan and vice versa if tim jumps down and then he starts attacking the fan well then the fan would have a claim against him have you guys ever booed uh, at a concert oh I, you know i don't no. think so no i, I, I really I haven't, haven't either yeah it's, have you guys I just no no, no. i did like First of all, I mean, I, I only go to, like, the top acts, so I know <laughs> that they've got their oh, stuff boy. together. But, uh, no, no, I, it just uh, it never occurred to me. I've, I've left early, and, and some concerts haven't been up to snuff, but I've never thought to boo. No, yeah, I am, I'm with you. I've been to some of those, like, music festivals where there's multiple artists, and you go for one or two or a handful, yeah. and then you get one that you didn't, like or don't like and and i just walk away i just go that's when i'm going to go get a drink or go get something to eat i don't think to actually invest any energy into booing them i don't need a bad show to go get a drink let that be said too uh uh, uh, make that statement uh ryan uh, i know you're a big dodger fan can you do you want to have a little uh catch up here with with sam and ash yeah i mean it's you know monumental series obviously first time the the dodgers and the the giants are, are facing off in the postseason and you know your your feelings your emotions going into a game five that i will have a watchful eye on tonight oh i'm i'm excited i'm a little nervous though about this pitching change that's got us a little a little shake up but who knows i'm, I'm just optimistic I, I trust the coach that we're going to do the best for the team and put them in the best position to win so Go Dodgers. I'm, I'm excited. Where are you, Sam? I think it's going to come down to fan energy. I hope we can, uh, we can send good positive vibes and, and get the team to, to get across the, the line. We had one of our guys from our office uh, go to the game, the last game, and, and he just, uh, you know, he had the best, best time and enjoyed it. And obviously they, you know, they did well. So, uh, let's hope that happens. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling optimistic. Didn't you have the Dodgers in in five, Sam? I did. So, you are you are a genius. You know? Like you're looking pretty good right now. Could happen. I like it. See, that's he's, he's a sports guy. He's a baseball guy. And he's a lawyer. He protects you. Uh, they're passionate about their sports. They're passionate about law. And I'm just gonna throw this out there. What happens if somebody shows up tomorrow at the office? With a San Francisco Giants jersey on, if it doesn't, they would go... never. <laughs> <Oof>. Nice. 
They would call in sick. They know better. <laughs> See, those are the kind of people that you want to hang out with. Uh, you want <laughs> representing you right there. Passionate. Uh, right to the very end, uh, Salmonash, SalmonashLaw.com, 702-820-1234. It's the easiest number in the world to remember, and the website is uh, also right up there with uh, the no-brainer, SalmonashLaw.com. Enjoy Game 5 tonight as you also watch the Vegas Golden Knights uh, out for a 2-0 start. Uh, enjoy your weekend, guys. Oh, you too, Thank guys. You. Thank you. you. This has been the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash. Visit them at SamandAsh.com because you deserve what's right. Yanmar trying to get it towards the empty net. He dives. He scores. Hat trick. Game seven. Yanmar. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. And he comes, fakes, he scores! Mark Stone, short-handed goal, took the goal off its pegs, lost his stick, but more room to pump his fist. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. BGK Insider Show, Game 2. First game on the road, the BGK on a, uh, a normal road trip for the first time since uh, pre-pandemic. How about that? Uh, where you can kind of have a little bit of freedom, you can go out for dinner, you can do uh, things that uh, you just haven't been able to do uh, outside of the bubble or outside of last year where you were confined to the uh, hotel. So it's getting normal, not quite uh, right back to square one just yet, but uh, we're making a little bit of progress and we're looking forward to this one. Game two of 82 on Fox Sports Las Vegas, your flagship station of the Vegas Golden Knights, Darren Millard, here in Studio 31 at City National Arena, getting set for the television broadcast and it is our good friend Ryan Wallace uh, at the Parkway Tavern, who will host the pregame show in about an hour's time from now, as well as the intermissions and the postgame as uh, Gary Lawless and Dan Duva call the action from Staples Center and Chris Chapman at uh, Fox Sports uh, Las Vegas Studios, the Finley Chevrolet Studio, home of the Woo. And uh, we are looking forward to this one because uh, there's a couple of different uh, areas of, of great interest. One, Robin Leonard getting back-to-back starts. Uh, to the power play and the evolution of that. Uh, it didn't score in the game against the Seattle Kraken, but it looked really good. It wasn't one of those momentum-sucking performances uh, where it just uh, took away all of uh, your progress in five-on-five. Five. Uh, at times, uh, it, it looked like uh, they had been working on it all of camp, and uh, they have been working on it all of camp. So there's that part of it. And then we have a couple of NHL debuts tonight. So, uh, Wallace, there's a lot going on around this game for just the second game of the year there really is there's tons of storylines for the golden knights and for the la kings as you look toward the home opener for la and game number two of 82 for the vegas golden knights uh, obviously for me I, I think big tonight is jake lecision and Jonas ronbjerg making their nhl debuts what you're going to get from those two players the ability for pete DeBoer to have four lines that i think he'll trust in in different situations and the ability to play a fourth line and and kind of allow minutes to be a little bit more equally distributed and allocated toward his uh, top six and, and third line. So uh, that's kind of the big one for me. And then beyond that, it's going to be goaltending. It's going to be Robin Leonard versus Cal Peterson, a changing of the guard for both for both organizations, and Robin getting another start to to start this year. 
Max Pacioretty with a couple of goals in the opener, and uh, so he's well on his way to a great start. Amazing how the flip was just switched uh, from a <laughs> pedestrian preseason to a dominating performance by that top three. Yeah, you look at you know you look at Pacioretty, Stone, and, and Stevenson, and we all know the chemistry that those three players have. We all know that they have the ability and the the potential to take a game over and you know for the golden knights i think you know you look at the fact that they had three lines and you know one player in keegan colasar that that you trust you you knew you needed a big game and i think that helped flip the switch for the the top six for the golden knights specifically their top line in stone patch ready and stevenson uh, Nolan Patrick uh, centers the third line, and it should be a third line tonight uh, with uh, a lot more faith in the players that are going in. Even though it's the debuts of uh, Jonas Rombierg and Jake Lasician, we are going to uh, really see uh, a lot more minutes given to that fourth line tonight. Yeah, and, and that's what you want if you're the Golden Knights. Uh, you you know, you go through an offseason where you, you say goodbye to Marc-Andre Fleury. You, trade, you make that trade so that you have more flexibility cap-wise. And I think, you know, obviously going into game number one, it, it, it's not it's not an ideal situation, but you don't plan on injuries. You never plan on injuries. And unfortunately, the Golden Knights were bit by the injury bug during, during the preseason. So you have to make do for one game. The Golden Knights were able to get out of it. And now they have a, a couple of players that, again, I, I think have the trust of Pete DeBoer and, and you can fill out a fourth line that you can put on the ice and, and compete with. And, you know, for me, that's where the Golden Knights are going to be focused tonight and in having four lines that can go out there and play and you get a better complement and understanding of what this team is. We have you covered on the television front uh, with uh, myself, Darren Elliott, uh, hosting the show from Studio 31 at City National Arena and right here in Fox Sports uh, Las Vegas with Ryan Wallace and uh, Gary Lawless and our good friend Dan Duva on the flagship station of the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports uh, Las Vegas. I'm going to dip out, you guys. Uh, I hand it off to you. Remember, two more tickets available. Uh, we will be giving those away at some point this hour for next Wednesday's game against the St. Louis Blues. But, uh, gentlemen, have a good game. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, Darren, you have fun, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's always, it's always uh, difficult when you leave the show. That is Darren Millard. Uh, Chris Chapman. You know, I, I find this, this game tonight really intriguing and really interesting because for, for a lot of, of what's changed and, and for a lot of what we see in the Pacific Division and what our preconceived notions are about this season, a lot of what we say has to do with the LA Kings not being very good. A lot of what we say has to do with the Anaheim Ducks not being very good, San Jose not being very good, and, and just a belief in our mind that the Pacific Division is the Golden Knights at the top and everything else is kind of muddled. Like, Edmonton's better. You'd expect them to be probably the second best team in the league. What are you getting out of Calgary? What are you getting out of Vancouver? The, the California teams are not going to be very good. And, you know, what I find most interesting about that, and, and I, I'm not going to get crazy about one game, but the Anaheim Ducks last night looked good, right? They looked good. You have young players going out and playing. And for the Kings, it's interesting because you, you, you see what happened this summer. You see that Drew Doughty and Andre Kopitar, the veteran core of that Kings team, they are tired of losing. They want to play meaningful hockey. They want to play in the playoffs. They want to move closer and closer to that. And it is hard after winning Stanley Cups to go through a rebuild. And for L.A., 
after they won Stanley Cups, the wheels just kind of fell off, right? And so what you're getting now, I think, is a lot of optimism surrounding this LA Kings team. And where, where they go, it remains to be seen, and we'll get an idea of what that looks like tonight. Again, we mentioned changing of the guard. Cal Peterson is going to start the season opener for LA. That's huge because for many, many years, the idea of anyone but Jonathan Quick starting a season opener for the Kings was absolutely foreign. There's no way that happens. But here we are. That's the changing of the guard. And then you look at Phil Deneau. And for me, Phil Deneau getting in and, and, and becoming the solid number two center for this Kings team is huge because it frees up Andre Kopitar. It frees up Kopitar to focus mostly on playing in the offensive zone, mostly on looking for production. It allows that top line for the, for the LA Kings to simply be a production line because you've got a shutdown line with Phil Deneau. So I'm interested in tonight's game not to overreact to one game. I swear I'm not going to do that one way or the other. Just like I'm not going to overreact to, well, Seattle looked good. Maybe they'll be get, maybe they'll be better than what we think they are. No, not going there. But I do think this game is going to be an interesting one to just give us an idea of where the Kings are and what their status is in this Pacific Division. And I don't know if you're there, Chapman, and chime in at any at any point in time. But you look around the league right now. Detroit's winning a game. Buffalo's winning a game. The Senators are winning a game. Like. Teams that were not expected to be very good are finding ways in their in their openers. They are finding ways to win. It's a it's a spot for I think the Golden Knights to not take the opponent lightly because we're seeing I think around the rest of the league some good teams taking their opponents lightly early on. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe that's it, or maybe it's just the bad teams are are kind of buying that early season hype that and they're using it as motivation <laughs> that hey, Detroit zero and zero. Yeah, Detroit. You're not going to be very good. Look, I'm not going to take a whole lot of stock in Columbus because they're playing probably the worst or second worst team in the league. And, and, and I mean, there's obviously a very emotional night in Columbus as well. So, yeah. uh, but getting back to the Kings, I think their, their, their top six is pretty solid. Like, I think it's a formidable top six. Yeah. It's after that where you're kind of looking around saying, all right, where's the production going to come from? Because I like Alex Ayafalo. I think he's a good player. Adrian Kempe, another good player. And then, of course, like you mentioned, Phil Deneau. That's probably their second line. They go out and make the move for Victor Arvidsson. I think he's a good player, still has a little bit left in the tank. There's speed there, too, man. Like and, 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 up, up on the top line, he's going to make Andre Kopitar more dangerous. And it seems like Dustin Brown is still ageless, right? Like, he's still a good player, considering he's been around basically yeah. since Moses was walking the earth, it wow. seems. You know, I mean, that's how long Dustin Brown. But the blue line, a lot of questions outside of Drew Doughty, I think. They're, they're playing the youngster, Tobias Bjornfoot. He's going to be one of their, their top guys on the, on the blue line. And now the, the question about Cal Peterson. There has been a changing of the guard. It is yeah. now his team. How will he handle that? Some guys, they, they just take the reins from a legend, and they don't miss a beat. But there's a, it's a whole different story when you are now the guy who's replacing the legend as opposed to the guy who's backing up the legend who fills in in spots. Yeah. Cal Peterson's played really well against Golden Knights in the past. I know you and Darren mentioned that early, but I wonder how he's going to handle being the man for a full 82-game season because we've seen bits and pieces of Cal Peterson, but nobody, nobody wants to follow in the footsteps of the guy who 
won two Stanley Cups as the goalie of 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 the LA Kings, right? So, so so it's 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 a tough tough act to follow. I mean, ordinarily I'd agree with you, but the fact that Jonathan Quick is there still, I think, lends itself to a, a more seamless uh, transition because if Cal Peterson falters, you've got Jonathan Quick as your backup plan, right? Like, and and I mean, the best case scenario for LA going into this year is that Cal Peterson's phenomenal, and Jonathan Quick is better with a reduced workload. And maybe if they're in a position to be buyers at the trade deadline, perhaps, perhaps you could turn Jonathan Quick into something. Yeah, turn him into assets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You could turn him into something that helps you on the stretch run. Like, I I understand the idea of not wanting to take over after or or facing hardship taking over after a legend. Uh, But, I mean, the fact of the matter is Jonathan Quick's still there. And the beautiful thing about that is simply that he's still there. He, He can still be the guy that Cal Peterson leans on. And if it's rocky for Peterson, you can just rely on Jonathan Quick a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think that's a possibility. But how much does Quick still have in the tank? Like, worst case scenario, you, you mentioned the best case. Worst case scenario is Cal Peterson can't handle being the guy and Jonathan Quick doesn't have a whole lot left. Jonathan Quick looks like yeah. the Jonathan Quick of last year or the year before. And all of a sudden, L.A. is like, oh, we, we have this plan in place where we're, we've got young guys like Arthur Kaleev and Gabe Velarde and, and, and Quentin Byfield, but now we don't have a goalie. That's, that's where I think the, the, the real question is going to be, how does Cal Peterson handle it? Because if it's a seamless transition, LA could be dangerous. They could be a playoff team. If he's not good, they will be searching in the off season for, a new goalie. So when you look at tonight for the Vegas Golden Knights, the LA Kings, what what do you what, what's your sense about this game? Because you know you're, you're gonna have some hype, you're gonna have some juice from the Kings. It's their home opener. It's the first time in a long time. There's gonna be a full house inside Staples Center. Like, what what's your expectation for the Golden Knights early on? Because and I ask that with the context of against Seattle in the home opener for the Golden Knights. I thought the Kraken took it to Vegas the first three or four minutes. They were all over the Golden Knights. Robin Leonard had to be very good. Do you expect kind of this a similar type of start for Vegas, or do you think that gets cleaned up game to game? I don't know what to think because we saw a couple times last season where they started slow. Um, we saw game one this season. They didn't exactly come out firing on all cylinders. In fact, they were very lucky to not be down one nothing early on because Jordan Eberle hit a crossbar, um, you know, and and that that's something that they are going to have to get cleaned up because you know L.A. is going to come out. Alec Martinez mentioned it in in his media availability today that teams do get up to play Vegas. When he was with L.A., they did get up to play Vegas, and you know a guy like Drew Doughty, he like he he we know what he thinks about Vegas, so you know he's going to have <laughs> those guys ready to go. Um, you know, it's 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 real interesting because I think L.A. is going to come out and I think they're going to play really hard really early and Vegas is going to have to weather a little bit. And I think there there may be some pressure on, on Ron Bierg and, and Jake LeCision to really, I think, do the little things that they're, the, the Golden Knights are expecting from them because L.A., I think, is going to come out and they're going to they're going to try to punch Vegas in the mouth early. As you mentioned, all those reasons, first home game in, in forever with a full staple center. It's the season opener. 
They've got the team that's everyone's picking to win the division and everyone's picking to go to the Western Conference final. They're coming into their building tonight and, and I don't think LA is, is going to take them lightly. In fact, I think LA will not take them lightly, but I think LA is going to say, Hey, you know what? We're going to be a factor and we're, we're going to go out and try to prove it tonight. Are the Kings a playoff team, Chapman? No. They're not a, they're not a playoff team. I, I thought maybe they were, but I, I still think the Kraken will edge them out. I think they're going to I, I think they're going to be at they're going to be in the fight. They're Buddy, not, they're, listen, listen. You you could have just said, "Let me see a game first. No, I I, I don't think they are because I'll, I I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know if I believe in Cal Peterson, and I definitely don't believe in their bottom six. You okay? I understand believing in Phil Grubauer and Chris Dreger more than I believe in in Cal Peterson, and to an extent, Jonathan Quick. Well, I like Seattle's blue line better too. Really. I mean, I, I don't really th- – outside of Drew Doughty, are any of L.A.'s defensemen really all that proven? I mean, I think Mikey Anderson's pretty good. He's okay. Yeah. Alexander Edler. I think Alex Edler's going to be an underrated signing for sure. Like, Sean Walker, you, Matt you Roy. You have a little bit – like, okay, with with Edler, at least you've got a little bit of, of veteran presence and steady there. You know what I mean? Like – I don't know. I, I look at the veteran ads in Deneau and Edler, and I just say to myself, like, okay, those make a lot of sense. Those are areas the Kings needed to improve on. I'm not sure that they're a playoff team because I think a lot of things have to go right. Like, every every decision that you've made has to hit, and you have to get Quinton Byfield back relatively soon. You know what I mean? Like, you really need to get Quinton Byfield back. But that all being said, this is going to be a really good opportunity for the Kings to, to as you mentioned, punch – the prohibitive favorite to win this division in the mouth. And that's the Golden Knights. And I'm interested more or less in seeing how the Golden Knights come out in this game. Like, it is an intriguing idea to go into an 82-game season understanding that everything really starts for you in the playoffs. And for the Golden Knights, a team that wins their home opener, beats Seattle, there's a motion there. You do it in, in a situation where you're only playing with really 10 forwards that you trust on the ice. I think that, you know, you go into your first game on the road against L.A., against a team that tries to play hard every single time, that there might be um, a little bit of a letdown. I think it's early for that. But, again, this is a team that, that has to pace themse- themselves through 82 games because what they do in the regular season is is not going to really matter in the context of, where this team is judged this year. Yeah. Everything is focused on the playoffs. Well, and, and that's the thing. And, and it's it's funny because I, I, I will keep going back to something Pete DeBoer mentioned last week about the early part of the season. You're basically, you, you're not going to make the playoffs in the first couple games of the season. But yeah. you also don't want to give those points away. You don't want to give them back. So I think for Vegas, it, it's... I, I, you know, it's weird. I, I kind of thought that this would be a bit of a trap game. And I, and I know it's, you, you've mentioned it too. It's really early in the season, but I think there's a lot that LA is going to go out and, and, and they have to play for tonight. I think maybe for them to believe in themselves that they can compete in this division. And, and I got, again, game one of 82, it, it, you're not, you're not going <laughs> to, but you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things where, if you believe early on, you can string together 
a couple of early wins, and we saw year one with the Golden Knights. Nobody expected them to be eight and one, but all of a sudden, after nine games, they were eight and one. Yeah. And it was a thing about, hey, you know what? Maybe we are a pretty good team. And for LA, they, they have a good mix, I think, of really young players and veteran players to where if those young guys can start to believe early, you know the, the veterans believe. You know a guy like Kopitar believes. You know a guy who's been through it all the all, for for <laughs> forever, like Dustin Brown. You know he believes. It's getting those young guys like Kaleev and Velarde to believe. And I think that that's, that's, a, that's a big thing because once those young players buy in with the talent that they have on that roster, they could be a playoff team. They could be dangerous. And I, I think there's going to be a four-team battle for two spots. I think Calgary, Seattle, L.A., and and uh, Vancouver are all going to fight for those two playoff spots because I think Vegas and Edmonton are the class. And I think San Jose and, and, and Anaheim, they're, they're a bit off the pace. But, Chapman? Yes. Chapman? Yeah. Um, I, I want to I make sure we get to catching up with Chapman. Oh, yeah. Um, we also have those tickets to give away. We're going to do that in just a second. But I want you to give me a key to the game, and not like a cliche. Give me a legitimate key to the game tonight for Vegas. Well, I think it's going it, to, for them, it's going to be being able to play four lines. We only got to see them play three lines and, and a third the other night. Yeah. And I'm not sure how much Rumbierg and, and Lecision are going to play tonight, but I'd like to see those guys have an opportunity. I was a little disappointed we only got to see four minutes of Dorofeyev and, and five minutes of, of Coglin. Were you? I, I was surprised that it was four minutes of Dorofeyev. Well, Dorofeyev only played, he played, I think, four shifts in the first period and one shift in the second, and that was it. Yeah, I'm sorry, Dorofeyev. Oh, Dorofeyev, yeah, the, he changed correct it. Correct pronunciation yeah. now. <laughs> All right, let's catch up with you, Chapman. G give me something real quick, and then we'll, we'll give away those tickets. Okay, uh, well... I, I really didn't think we were going to do one of these today. So I, oh, I have, I have the, the, spot, the Giants and Dodgers game in the studio. I talked to you last week. I know you are a diehard Dodger fan, and I told you I could not root for the Dodgers. <laughs> I won't root against them, but I can't, root for, I, I can't root for them. And there's a story behind that. Uh, my grandmother, she immigrated to this country from Sicily, and she grew up. She lived in Brooklyn. She was very young when she moved to Brooklyn. But she became a big baseball fan. Yeah. And the Brooklyn Dodgers were obviously the team that she followed. And when she was young, I guess maybe a teenager or so, she they, they moved to Los Angeles and it broke her heart. And so she didn't root for she didn't watch any baseball for however long it was between the time the Dodgers left and the time the Mets came to be. And one of the things she said to me before she died was, if you ever root for the Dodgers, I will come back from the grave wow. and I will haunt you for the rest of your life. She's Sicilian. I was not about to mess with any of that uh -huh. mojo that she, that she was bringing. So no, that's uh, well done, buddy. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I won't root against the Dodgers because I, I like you and I, I, I know it makes you very happy when your Dodgers win, but uh, I won't be rooting for them either. Got it. So there you have it. Chris Chapman potentially getting haunted by his grandmother oh yeah yeah she might make a call 702-876-1340 we've got a pair of tickets to vegas and st louis next week be caller number seven 702-876-1340 we're gonna step aside right now and i'm going to preempt myself i'm gonna be on the pregame show that's all coming up right here in just a few moments getting you ready for vegas and la 
on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Have a great night, everybody. We'll talk to you in just a few moments. Thank you.